Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and Em. I'm Em. And I'm Cozzy. And welcome back. And welcome back. Another week, the second ep for 2024, and we are feeling good. Yeah, I was about to be like, another day, another dollar, but no... That's not what we're doing. Another day, not a single dollar, another awards show, a little bit sick of awards season already, so we're not yeah. talking about that today. We're only two in. Are we? No, we're not. No, okay. no, no. Quick PSA, it's all the same winners Yeah, yeah. as the Golden Globes. Surprise. So you just listen to last week and you'll have know all the winners. So what have you been reading, watching, consuming, understanding, accepting, etc.? Oh, this week? Okay. Well, this weekend, so we're at my house uh, this time, so I spent... Basically all of Sunday here in this room, uh, consuming television uh, after feeling a little bit delicate on after I had a big Saturday night and I spent most of Sunday consuming and it's a genre that we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast and that is guys doing things and that is what I did on Sunday. I was a girl watching guys doing stuff. I watched, I think it was like five episodes, no it was six because I was seven of SAS Rogue Heroes, which is a <laughs> World War Two set drama. It's on SBS On Demand and it's by the same guy who created the Peaky Blinders. So it's not like your typical history thing. Okay. For some reason, I assumed you were talking about like a reality TV show. Oh my God. No. No, no, That's, no. I was I, so actually, confused. Actually, no, it does sound like that because we do have like an SAS thing yeah. in Australia. No, no, no. This is literally like three guys, three hotties. Being like, I want to go kill some Nazis in Africa. And they create this like, they create the SAS. So it's the story of the creation of the Special Air Service. Uh. And it's Jack O'Connell, better known as Cook from Skins. Alfie Allen, better known as Theon from Game of Thrones, who I always had a massive thing for. Better known as Lily Allen's brother to Better me. known as Lily Allen's brother, subject of the song Alfie. <laughs> and uh, the third guy is the guy from uh, Sex Education, the bully, sure. Adam. Oh, Connor, Connor Swindell. Yeah. So he's the guy who has the idea for the SAS. Anyway, it's just like these three guys and they're all kind of mad and they're like, we fucking want to kill Nazis. And I'm like, you know what? Pop off Kings. And they're everyone in the show is attractive. It's just them stuffing around in Africa, going on like air raids and stuff. So I watched that and it's all modern music. So all the music is like ACDC and punk and stuff like that. It's kind of in the same vein of Peaky Blinders with the modern music. Okay. So it's not necessarily like a war genre no no it's, it's very film. much like this stuff happened but we're making it cool okay which i enjoy it's my favorite mm. sort of genre so what did that and then i also listened to the new vaccines album and the vaccines are a band that i've loved since about 2012 i think was my the origin of my love story with them like indie pop you know arctic monkeys adjacent vibes and they've just come out with their latest album which is really fun. So I listened to that um, after a friend messaged me about it because I didn't realize they were doing anything. And yeah, that was me. But I was very much like watching guys do stuff. It's kind of like going to the zoo. It's just a little kind bit Kind of. It's just I've realized that it's actually a really beloved genre in the like canon of my life. Yeah. Like it's me, like a show or a movie about guys doing stuff comes out. It's a canon event that I have to watch it. It's so healthy. It actually really was. And I'm learning a lot about history and... um yeah just just watch it it's really it's really good and there's a second season coming out uh and it's got yeah just 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 watch it just trust me on this um we love to give i love to give recommendations they're actually good Rex. i had a little vaccines phase when i was maybe 15 or so 14 15 and it was never a big thing and i just kind of thought that they'd broken up or weren't doing anything anymore so 
I shout had, out to them. I had a shirt, a vaccines shirt from their second album cover, I think. And it became this like meme, like the deep lore of my life is this shirt. And I had it for so many years and it got ripped to absolute shreds. And I would wear it all the time. And my friends would like make fun of me because there'd be like huge holes in the back of oh. it. And I'd wear it. I wore it like to death. Um, Cause I feel like I've seen them like three or four times now live. Um, last, last, time of that was just pre-covid but oh. yeah they've been a big uh a big vibe of life i think but i back. love that you've had you had a phase too everyone does everyone does it was another one of those um tumblr finds so what about you what have you red watch consumed this weekend my rec is not quite as fun as that and not quite as fun this week but stay with me it's still related to guys doing things it's a piece in the New Yorker called The Damage Done by a Hollywood Stereotype. Love and it it's already. from two years ago. It's from January 2022. But Pocket recommended it to me this week. So what so is Pocket? I've never heard of Pocket before. Pocket is like an app website where you can put in a link and it takes away a paywall. I It feels a little oh bit God. unethical because I do no. believe in paying for media and paying I don't for what believe, you consume. No, see, this is where we differ. I don't believe in paying for quality journalism. Okay. <laughs> I think that it should be free. I think that it should that information should be free I think to it, the people. It should be free, and I think information and exclusivity of information is a major problem, and it yeah. is a privilege to be able to consume things. But I feel bad because I know the state of journalism, and I oh no, I know there's steal these articles. I feel bad for the journalists, but I'm also like information should be free. Yeah, um, but I've also had a history of torrenting things, so I'm also like not the best person to go to when it comes to like, yeah. You're such a criminal. Of, ownership of things. Still getting waited to get arrested for that. Like, do you remember like all those years ago? It was like all those people who downloaded the Dallas Buyers Club, like who torrented the Dallas Buyers Club were going to get arrested. And I never downloaded it, but I was convinced I was going to get arrested because I downloaded like six seasons of Shameless. <laughs> I was like, if they know about these people, they'll know about me. Um, so tell me about this article. It's about Robert Caprin. Cool. He was the guy who played Rowley Jefferson in Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh my God, we love Rowley. We love Rowley. We love Diary of a Wimpy Kid. That was the, not the original guys doing stuff, but one I of the greatest. I think it's one of the originals. One of the greatest franchises, I feel. I think one, one of the f- greatest friendships. Yes. We'll fight you if you disagree on that. He was also in Bride Wars, which is another great movie was and another he? fight if you disagree. Yeah. I was he in Bride Wars. He was a kid. Anne Hathaway's character is like walking down the hallway at school and he's like, Miss Delgado is looking for you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but anyway, so this piece, Robert spoke to the writer about how Diary of Wimpy Kid changed his life, obviously. Yeah. But he was reflecting on being an 11, 12 year old kind of finding fame coming from a family who didn't know anything about Hollywood. His parents didn't understand a thing about fame. But even at that age, he would read negative comments that pointed out his weight. And he remembered being called fat in screen tests as a kid. He would even do voice acting and still be the butt of fat jokes, literally as a cartoon. That just makes me really upset. And so he was talking about how he was typecast because of his weight in roles right. that were daft and goofy and dopey. And so it was that correlation, that fictional correlation between fat and stupid and it's something that we perpetuate so often yeah that's completely untrue but he eventually developed an eating disorder off the back of it so it's been a really long road for this poor kid awful and a quote that really stuck out to me was i really thought i was going to be the male lead with the fat best friend but once i was thin hollywood couldn't quite peg me so i went on to say that quote unquote the chubby kid 
offers kept coming in. He took a break from acting because he'd had a break and didn't have any recent movies. Right. Casting directors still thought he was that like the funny fat kid. kid. Yeah. yeah. So then when he came back and they were like, well, you're not fat anymore. Yeah. Like, can't, we can't like package you. We don't want you. We don't know what Aww. else you can do. So I thought it was such an interesting no, look into Robert casting. Capron. That's so sad. Yeah. I have never really thought about casting and what it's like to be pigeonholed for like a physical feature me neither and I think cinema is really funny because it's obviously like a visual medium yeah and different attributes can carry a different story and how people look can be pretty symbolic oh totally I've got to be honest I do think about casting quite a bit not really like physically but I do think about like oh what if that person was cast instead of this person or yes. it's, it's more like when you hear about people who would nearly cast yeah as, kid, as like things or whatever it's like if, if Daniel Radcliffe didn't play Harry Potter it's like what if it was someone else and then my mind's like god but what if it was someone else like that's insane or if I really want someone to play like if I have a character from a book or something that I like and I know they're gonna make it into a movie I'm like it has to be this person it has to has to be them um or something like that I'm very passionate about casting, actually. That doesn't surprise me at all. I always come back to, do you remember that Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty? Yeah, is that the one where she um, she not hits her head? Yeah. Yes. She hits her head and then she thinks she's the most beautiful woman I always get confused Earth. between that one and the Rebel Wilson one. That isn't it romantic? Because oh, yeah. they both kind of knock their heads or something. Yes. Yeah. Same vibe, but I Feel Pretty, it was a couple of years ago and the gist of it was that she hit her head then had all the confidence in the world so she thought she was the most beautiful woman purely because of her confidence I thought about it a lot because like the movie it hinged on the fact that Amy Schumer isn't conventionally attractive Mm. and I thought what is it like walking into like a casting call for unattractive woman or fat kid or something like that where they have a very specific idea in mind that they need to tell this story yeah it very much perpetuates those it'd feel ideals it would it would get to you especially if you're a kid and I also think that like there are people who've managed to transcend it obviously not to like the same extreme but like for example someone who's like gives me the ick von ick but like for example Chris Pratt pre like him being this Hollywood himbo god or whatever (laughs) he was like some fucking slacker who lived in a van so he would go for like those slacker roles yeah and then so it'd, he'd be kind of like the chubby comic relief. Another Brad Wars guy. Yeah. And oh my God, he's Anne Hathaway's stupid fiance. I hated him. Me too. He was the accountant. He did everyone's tax. He sucked. He was boring, bland. He Chris sucked. Pratt. Thank you for reminding me that he was in that movie. God damn it. But it's like him. He was like the chubby himbo guy. And then he like got ripped. They obviously found somewhere to put him. It's the age as well. Like Rally was... Rally, Robert. Was- I know. I'm like sorry. It's just <laughs> Rally was such a Rally was a real, you know, formative character in life. Yeah, Rally our king. But um, he was pigeonholed when he was so young, whereas Chris Pratt was like Parks oh, like- and Rec. Yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. later in For life. Sure. Totally. So he did kind of demonstrate he had that adult talent, whereas Robert yeah. Capron's coming from this. I my entire portfolio was me as a kid. That's he's really now hard. in like elementary and stuff. Like he's doing things, but he's really struggled to break back into Hollywood as a non-fat best friend. Bring I, him back. Such an interesting article and such a good read. Shout out to Pocket for recommending. Was it, it. just him in the article? Yeah. When you said that it was going to be about a kid from the diary of a kid, I thought it was going to be Fregley, the 
You know, the scary one with the red hair. But that's another one. Imagine walking into a casting call and they're like, we're looking for a really freaking weird kid. I know, for Fregly, the cheese touch kid, who I'm now Googling and he, yeah, he looks, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He looks kind of like a Weasley Uh. twin. He'd look like a kind of a little, um, like Fred or George when they were a kid. (laughs) Moving on. There's been a lot going on. Um, other than the reading of articles and the watching of shows, much yes, to ma'am. discuss this week. Big year for Calvin Klein already, and it's God, yes, literally Huge. been a fortnight with the Jeremy Allen White shoot. If you haven't seen it, it's on our Instagram. If you haven't seen it, you've been living under a rock. Just like look it up, look it up, go and enjoy. I think he's a little bit ugly, but I did like this shoot. Do you think he's ugly? I think he's. I think he's ugly hot. I, I get it. I get it. I. Uh, yeah it's because you haven't watched the bear you haven't watched the bear have you i've watched season one you need to watch season two he was just very shouty you need to watch it yeah but it's i feel like it's either the girls that get it get it or the like yeah. do you know what i mean it's exactly it's that like and i don't get be, it you need to be like down to want to hook up with like a gross lion chef who yells i didn't think that i would be that person but anyway so they also did a campaign with fka twigs which has been banned by the uk's advertising standards authority which is ridiculous for many reasons and we're about to talk you through it yeah so the ad itself the main the main thing is a poster depicting faa twigs with only a button up on and it's concealing Mm. her bits but you can see kind of her full side profile like a little bit of side boob you can see a butt yeah nothing crazy nothing we haven't seen before Hardly nothing that... the worst thing that we've seen i don't even think can you even see but you can see like the side of her bum you can see the side of her butt like that is it i actually looked at it and i got i was like is this the yeah i was trying to one? find the real ad because it just didn't seem like this could be something that was banned but they no. got two complaints and straight away banned it saying that the ad framed her as a stereotypical sexual object and that the images composition placed viewers focus on the model's body rather than the clothing being advertised. It's actually the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. It is. And Calvin Klein agreed and they defended mostly the pose and like the positioning of her body as being natural and neutral, which it was. It looked like a very natural, relaxed. She just looks like she's posing, like she's relaxed. Model, yeah. She's comfortable. She's not contorted. They went so far to say that the ad contained a progressive and enlightened message. I'm not about that. But yeah, but it's just like she's selling Calvin Klein. It's I'm sorry, it's underwear. I think that just proves that they don't understand what advertising is. Yeah, it's like they're using nowadays. her body to sell the product. Yeah. Get a fucking clue, watch Mad Men. Exactly. Like, like brands are more likely to promote like the brand itself yeah. than they are just to put up a catalogue on a sign and say, hey, here's how much our product is. Like that's advertising's changed over the past century that's not news to anybody for I, them to say it focuses more on the body than it does i just can't the product believe doesn't that, mean anything i just can't believe that it's happened like in the same week that we've seen the jeremy allen white ad which was so like obviously there were photos of jeremy allen white and there was a video and there's no video of fk twigs but i'm sorry like that campaign was so much more suggestive and sexy and whatever like whatever fucking adjective you want to use than her ad and it he didn't get banned he's gotten a giant um billboard in new york which i want to go see and it was overtly i mean it was yeah sensual i wouldn't watch it at work put it that way but um but i think that's just because i'm just overly sensitive at the same time this is not new for calvin klein these kinds of ads are not new they've featured semi-nude nude nude models forever 
I'm sorry. Are you like they've been caught in controversy since they put like 14 year old Brooke Shields in an ad saying nothing comes between me and my Calvins and Kate Moss and Marky Mark. Nothing comes between me and my Calvins. Kate Moss was like 14, 15 and she wasn't, she didn't have a top on. Why are we like getting all, you know, about FK twigs when I can't see her boobs or her bum and it's fine. Although there, there was a text at the top that said Calvins or nothing, which respect. That's, that is Calvins branding. or nothing. It's great. I want to go buy Calvin Klein underwear because of it. Thank you. It's literally branding. It is literally advertising. That's how things are now. That's yeah. And that's what I was saying. There isn't a line between like sexual advertising and ads with purpose. I just don't think it was sexual. I think there is absolutely sexual advertising in the world today. This yeah. was not an example of that. But yeah. FKA Twigs, and also for people who don't know who FKA Twigs is, um, she's a British singer and she took to Instagram to issue a public response um, about the campaign and talking about the double standards in the industry. She said, I do not see the stereotypical sexual object that they have labeled me. I see a beautiful, strong woman of color whose incredible body has overcome more pain than you can imagine. In light of reviewing other campaigns, past and current of this nature, I can't help but feel there are some double standards here. She then went on to say that she's like really proud of her physicality, citing Josephine Baker, Eartha Kitt, and Grace Jones as other inspirational women who broke down barriers of what it looks like to be empowered and harness a unique embodied sensuality. And she thanked all of the um, photographers and everyone involved. And it was, um, she was like, I'm not going to have my narrative changed around this. It was just like bullshit. And then Calvin Klein, yeah, were just like, this is similar to other posters. They don't, we don't overly, overly, overly sexualize. And they provided interview excerpts by like FKA Twigs. And other models who said they felt like a sense of empowerment and confidence from participating in the ad campaign. I'm sorry, if that photo went off of me, I would feel very good about it. And there's also another layer because the two entities that complained about FKA Twigs ad also complained about some Kendall Jenner Calvin Klein ads. But then the, the Kendall ones haven't been banned, have they? The Kendall Jenner ones have not been banned. She's one of them. She's on the floor she's kind of got like her shoulders on the floor and her feet on the floor and like her butt in the air and doing like a bridge and oh. she's topless with her hands over both her boobs i mean she's to me that's like more sexual than fk twigs just standing there it is with like a shirt draped on her and i think there's there's a point in there about why we find somebody's acceptably yeah, sexual absolutely in the same circumstances and that yeah. purely comes down to physical attributes and biases i think that all ads are very you know there have been some really good ads over the years that have been like super sexy and i don't think any of them should be banned but i'm like if we're gonna get into talking about this maybe we should talk about some fucking tom ford ads from the 2000s when he like for gucci do you remember that ad campaign where he got like they waxed a g into a model's pubes like pubic oh, hair and tom that was Ford's like and that was like a, a campaign and i think that sexy ads are cool Bring it back. Bring sexy back to ads. Yeah. I've got to be honest. Th- that's the entire saying. Sex sells. And it's not even sex. She's not even selling sex because it's not even it's not even sexy. She's standing there. Sex does sell, but on a separate point, FK Twigs, this is not sexy. She's had a fucking rough go of it though. She has. Um, FK Twigs used to go out with Robert Pattinson from around 2014. They were engaged and then they ended their relationship in about mid-2017. But... During that time, she got so much hate online, um, like super sexist and super racist, like online abuse about their relationship, mainly centered around the fact that she's black, which is 
fucking ridiculous and horrible. And then so she was with Robert Pattinson and then she went. (laughs) Then she went on to date Shia LaBeouf. They dated from mid-2018 to mid-2019 and she filed a lawsuit against him, accusing him of sexual battery, assault and the infliction of emotional distress. He uh, denies the allegations made by her. The lawsuit is set to proceed to trial this year. Uh, And then I didn't know this straight after that. She went out with Maddie Healy for two years. Oh, I literally God. read that last night and I was like, I need a glass of water. That's a bad it run. Literally, I was like, what a bad run going from like, like love Robert Pattinson, but horrible that you'd have to deal with all that in the relationship. Then she goes to Shia LaBeouf, who's the worst person in the world. Then she goes to Maddie Healy. Who's also the worst Who's also like world. top three worst person in the world. That is that on the Calvin Klein front. We'll see if there are any updates. I don't think there will be. Sex I think. sells. Everyone's stupid. Yeah. The news will move on and yeah. something like this is going to happen again. I just can't believe that it's happened in the same week as the Jeremy Allen White thing came out. It's like fucking double standards. It's, it's pretty blatant. It's the world we live in. It's the world we live in. And speaking of the world we live in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> From so, tough topic to tough topic. Strap in. So Margot Robbie was interviewed by Deadline last week all about life after Barbie and the project she's working on as a producer. And it's kind of like wrapping up her big old Barbie press tour, Which, but like, it's also refreshing God. it for award season. Yeah. I'm kind of glad it's over. I feel like, you know, when celebrities are pregnant for like 12 years, yeah. I feel like the, I've watched a celebrity pregnancy in the same way that I've watched the Barbie like, yeah. press tour. It has been a long slog. Yeah. I've lived a life. We've all lived a life. Extremely tired. It was a pretty standard interview. Not a whole lot happened, but when the interviewer asked if she would be taking a break, she said, I also think everyone's probably sick of the sight of me for now. I should probably disappear from screens for a while. Honestly, if I did another movie too soon, people would say, her again? We just did a whole summer with her. We're over it. I don't know what I'll do next, but I hope it's a little while away. And that's different to what we were just saying about, oh my God, Barbie lasted forever. Yeah. Because. Not just because of her, just because of the whole thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm, yeah. That's us staying way too in touch with the media cycle. Yeah, it's definitely, we are in touch with the Barbie tour as I'm sure not everybody is. And that's our own faults for just being too involved. We, we reap what we sow. Yeah. But for me, that quote came up as like a little Twitter X, whatever, notification and immediately sent me off the handle because it's something. Okay. We've just seen it again and again in Hollywood. And for me, it's a million dollar question, but why do women and why do female celebrities have to monitor their own saturation in a way that men don't? Yeah. It's interesting because I get where she's coming from, but I also, I don't just think it's just for girls. Like, I do think that, like, I don't need to see Celine Killian Murphy for a while, to be honest. I guess it just depends on like what you consume and how in touch you are with things. I feel like maybe I'm a bit sick of Barbie because I've been on it for so long, whereas like other people haven't, but I don't feel like super incensed by it, which is probably bad of me. I'm probably a bad feminist, but no, I think like, I just feel like I'm like, yeah, I get it. She needs a break. Yeah. It's like she's been on a big run. Cause she did. She's also done a, um, I think as well, she's done a run of kind of like pre Barbie. She did a run of like mid films. So she did um, Amsterdam and then she did Babylon and then she went into Barbie. Yeah. So I feel like I was like, okay, you kind of were like not great in the David O. Russell movie, Amsterdam. Babylon was fine, but like no one loved it. And then she's like gone into Barbie. So I feel like maybe it's all of it combined. I'm kind of looking at it more 
publicly like i'm mm. trying to think of what society as a whole like dimwits and everyone yeah whereas you're looking i at think it i look at a, it through the the lens of the cultural elite yeah you're quite you're critical in like a like big thinking way yeah i think i need to like go down to like the map the um, micro like macro level here there's like a very surface level way in which we approach female celebrities and it's yeah i agree i do agree with that i think i'm probably just reading too much into it like into the whole industry for me and i don't know if this will help provide context but i thought of it in you know when taylor swift said in miss americana that she felt pressure to reinvent herself yeah every so often and it's because she felt if she didn't do that, if she didn't renew her image, she'd be out of a job because people would yeah. get bored. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think we've exhausted that as a speaking point over the past like five years. Totally. I think we've. I mean, I, I think it's real and it's. I agree with it. Yeah, but it's like does I'm, still yeah, stand. I don't think we need to like unpack it any further, yeah. other than the fact that it happens and it's bullshit and whatever. Da 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 da. Exactly. Uh-huh. It does still stand, but I think it very simply, and I think Margot Robbie's proved this again for me, is that women and artists like Taylor Swift, they have to market themselves more consciously than men do yeah and that and that's like getting down to brass tacks and I think you're right there and I think it's kind of I think guys do it as well but not on the same level at all like it's so different I I think it's bullshit it is it feels a bit more enforced on women for me I think because I'm not just looking at it from an entertainment standpoint like who's in the tabloids or whatever I'm looking at it from the point of Women are typically like asked women. to be more self-aware. They're asked yeah. to monitor how we see them and how mm. we see each other. We're doing all of that work, whereas men are kind of allowed to just exist, I think. Yeah. And there's also the side of things where in 2024, we're all just openly hating on everything. Like I try not to. I'm trying to actually be way more open. Again, you're a cultural critic. Like this I think you're yeah, fine. I think I'm coming from a bad angle. I'm like, not a bad angle, but just like a different angle. You're being way yeah. more for the girls and I'm like, what do the 1% think? For me, it's like, I don't care what Bob from Ipswich thinks about Margot Robbie. I literally don't give a rat's. Why am I reading his Facebook comment about yeah. Barbie right now? <laughs> we all feel entitled to voice very negative opinions, which like yeah. is not news. That's not a groundbreaking thing like, to say. And it's like, unless you have a podcast, don't say anything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back down to image and it's the way we ask women to prioritise their image and their likability over all else. I feel yeah. male actors can pop in and out in a way that they can do a project and then they can leave, they can get out of our sight and we're not going, he didn't work hard enough. He didn't do this. Yeah. He didn't do that. We kind of milk female celebrities for all they're worth. Yeah. And then we go, we're sick of you. Get out of our sight. Oh, it's and it's a tale as old as Jennifer Lawrence. Exactly. Yeah, it's hard. And she had to cut, you know go away for a few years. Yeah. And then came back and then people are going to get sick of her again now too. It's like, well, can she win? Can anyone win? Not really. But I I reckon Margot, and in this interview, she said like she talked about wanting to direct and because she's producing, she's got her company, Lucky Chap, and everything. I think she'll get more behind the camera now. Yeah, definitely. I think this is her being like, I don't think people want to see me for a while. I'm going to go develop. Like she's going to be like developing and producing and writing and directing. That's what I think is going to happen. Now. I think she's making the same transition that I guess it's different because no one like knows Emerald Fennell for like her acting but I think it's going to be like that sort of a vibe and she's what they're gonna, lucky chaps doing a thing with um Olivia Wilde another actress turned director turned auteur whatever your thoughts are she's she is an actress turned director 
Uh, I'm so mad that we didn't have a podcast when Don't Worry oh. Darling happened. God, yeah, we can, we'll, we'll talk about that. That was day. so upsetting. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, but I reckon that that's what she'll do. And I think that that comment is maybe a way for her to like start that. But yeah. I think it's bullshit that she even has to like bring it up. I think it's just crap that. I see it as a bit of her getting ahead of the curve and going, I, and that's I, I know if yeah. your support for me starts to crumble, I need to yeah. get the hell out of here. And I also think because Barbie is such a movie where it, it is Barbie yeah. and she's Barbie, it's not like it's... She's not America Ferrera. No, no, exactly. She has to be everywhere. She has to be in every single thing. She, she, and she made a point on that press tour of doing a different outfit. So we were looking where our yeah. focus is on Margot. It's not on... And we lapped it up. And it's not on America and it's not on Greta. And it, like, it is to a, to a certain extent, but it's very, very different. So I feel like uh, there are not that many movies now where it's just about that one person. Yeah. The only way I could probably think about it recently is maybe like Mission Impossible for Tom Cruise. Yeah. Because it's like, it's Tom Cruise. Like he's Ethan Hunt. It's the Barbie movie. She's Barbie. She's Margot. Like, I just, I think that that was particularly the nature of that press tour. Whereas I feel like when she's done and other female artists do it, it's like they're within the core group. Yeah. Like Oppenheimer, probably not the best, you know, <laughs> co- you know, um, point of discussion because there's only fucking two, girl- two women in it. But it's like, it's the same thing. It's like Barbie was not so much an ensemble cast as it was. Margot and Ryan yeah and and mostly Margot I also read the this is a bit different um but I really liked what Margot Robbie said in this article because this is very me and I feel like it's probably you as well that she loves to re-watch movies oh a thousand percent she said some people never see a movie twice but I'm a serial re-watcher and I think if I'm not going to try and make something that's better than the films I already love I'd rather use the time re-watching them I have no problem watching the Philadelphia story for the 50th time. I have no problem watching Bridesmaids for the, for the hundred. Oh my God. For the hundredth time. So unless I'm striving to make a movie that's as good as those movies, I'm just going to rewatch them. Yeah. Never a true words been spoken. Honestly, I love a good rewatch too. And I feel like people get kind of mad about that. Like you're rewatching again. And I'm like, yeah, well, I notice something different every time. And it's a different thing every time. And my favorite movies I would have watched upwards of yeah, 15, 20 times. And I think a lot of the time that a lot of the discussion around rewatching is like, it's a waste of time mm. because it's like, well, then, and, and I kind of get that because I'm like, oh, well, I could rewatch this or I could watch a movie that I've been wanting to watch for ages, like Heat or something like that. But then I'm like, well, when do I have three and a half hours to watch Heat yeah. when I could watch like a rom-com in 90 minutes? And it's like, well, obviously I'm going to watch my best friend's wedding. It's going to make me feel good because I've got more time. Like yeah. it's just for me, it's also an anxious thing. Mm, I like yeah. consuming things where I kind of know how it ends. So if I'm feeling at all worried about something or anxious about something, I can watch and know how it's going to end. I yeah. know what my favorite parts are going to be. I know that it's going to make me feel good. Yeah, I've I agree with that. So that's a maybe Margot's a bit of an anxious girl as well. But also, it's just that's the yeah. fun of cinema. That's yeah. the fun of art. It's the fun of film. You can watch things again and again, or you don't have to. You can just leave it as the experience that you first had. Yeah. It's the, the whole the whole world is just open to interpretation. And I think it's fun that we can pick and choose what we play with. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I love Rewatch. No, me too. And I, I'm glad that she brought it up. 
Yeah. Because I love to rewatch stuff. I feel validated by Margot Robbie. Yeah, I did spend Sunday afternoon also rewatching stuff. More boys doing stuff. I watched um, The Count of Monte Cristo and Men <laughs> in the Iron Mask. So very like 17th century French war movies. That's a rough weekend. No, it was really fun. Were you okay? Yes, it was good. But yeah, it's like I haven't rewatched those for years, but rewatching it, I got so much pleasure out of it. Yeah, like I don't, pink's my favorite color. I'm never going to be like, I can't look at pink again. No, that's actually such a good way of putting it. But I like that she said it, and I particularly like that she said that she would watch the Philadelphia story 50 times because me too, Margot. But while we're talking about sort of female creatives in the public eye, uh, I have something to say about the Amy Winehouse movie that's coming out. So if you you don't know, and it's probably cool that you don't because it's horrifying, but there's an Amy Winehouse movie coming out soon and it's going to star Marissa Abella as Amy, who is a wonderful actress from the HBO series Industry, which is incredibly traumatizing but incredibly fun and it's on binge if you haven't watched it. Uh, And it's also got Jack O'Connell, who I spoke about earlier in SAS Rogue Heroes and Skins. He will be playing Blake Fielder Civil, Amy's uh, one-time husband. And this is getting getting into bad news. It's going to be directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, who if you don't know who Sam Taylor Johnson is, strap the fuck in. (laughs) She is a film director and she is married to Aaron Taylor Johnson, who some these particular vintage may know him as Robbie from Angus Longs and Perfect Snogging. Other people may know him as Count Vronsky from uh, Anna Karenina. Other people will know him as Kick-Ass from Kick-Ass. Uh, but they got married. Well, they started going out when he was 18 and she was like 42 uh, on the set of Nowhere Boy, the absolutely fantastic John Lennon biopic. So it really gets my goat that it's actually a really good movie that they met on. She directed it. He was starring as John Lennon and they got together and now they have two daughters I think but the fact remains that he was 18 and she was 42 ever since then I've been a bit icked out by her uh so she's directing this film and it's the new the first trailer's come out and it looks pretty rough it just people are questioning why a film is needed when there's already several documentaries um and kind of wide-ranging features around Amy already out there uh, there's a really great documentary that came out in 2015 called Amy by Asif Kapadia, who's a really great documentary filmmaker, um, which is there's it's all just footage of Amy and it's interview um, voiceovers. You don't see any talking heads. It's just all Amy and people's voices talking about her. And Sam Taylor Johnson said that she was has said to Rolling Stone that she was reportedly friends with Amy. She says, my connection to Amy began when I left college and was hanging out in the creatively diverse London borough of Camden, which is where Amy lived and hung out. She said, I first saw her perform at a talent show at Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in Soho. It was immediately obvious she wasn't just talent. She was genius. Uh, and the, there's other sort of, I guess you would say, issues around the film that Amy's father Mitch is involved in the film um, that and people are worried that he's going to attempt to rewrite rewrite his daughter's story because he was involved in selling pap pictures of her and sort of taking advantage of her fame and he um, is the founder of the Amy Winehouse Foundation and he was a very vocal opponent of the documentary Amy which was like didn't give him a super flattering portrayal so it's like oh I wonder why you're critical of this less than flattering portrayal of yourself 
Uh, and he also wants to, I feel like this next sentence just like sums up why we should not like him. He wants to do an Amy Winehouse hologram tour, which has now been quashed, but he also wants to do an Amy Winehouse Broadway musical, which is currently in development. So he's involved in the film. It's Sam Taylor Johnson, who also did several, um, she did, what's the porn movie, um, with Jamie Dornan. Fifty Shades uh, 50 of Grey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she directed some of the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. So, have you seen the trailer? I've what, seen the trailer. What are your thoughts? I it definitely leaves a bad taste in my mouth that he's cashy and so hard on it. I think yeah. there would have been a time where what he was doing was, oh, this is a really original way to keep her memory alive. Mm. But I think after seeing how much publicity this generated for Elvis, and mm, I think that he wanted to jump on the bandwagon. It feels like he's riding that biopic wave and I uh, I wish he wouldn't because I'm sick of them. I actually, we yeah. have biographies, we have documentaries. I actually don't care to see this person's life played by someone else. No, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't make it richer for me. No, especially because she didn't die that long ago. No, it was I, literally like 2011. Like yeah. it was not, let's leave it. That's what, 12 years? And at the same time, she was 27 when she died. I just think the younger they are and the more recent it is, I want there to be more distance. I want less to do with it. I agree. Yeah. So I think. Yeah. Because you can't have the hindsight yet. People are only just realizing what the media did to her. Yeah. And it's not like people who were there know, but, you know, people are only now reckoning with the treatment of women in the media. We've seen it with Paris. We've seen it with Britney. We've seen it with Lindsay. Um, and now, it, you know, people know what they did to Amy and what drove her to all of this but yeah there's not nearly enough hindsight yet no I think I don't even think there's enough hindsight with Elvis and that's been like 50 years no you know I I, it it just feels so icky especially because in kind of this current group of young consumers her death was quite a big part of her story to us because that's oh yeah that's how I was kind of introduced to Amy Winehouse. That's the first time I kind of heard her name and understood really? that she was someone. Yeah. And then oh, I went, wow. I had a little Amy Winehouse phase. Again, Tumblr, high school, that happens. Yeah, makes sense. And I still really, really like her music. Yeah. But I, it, I have the documentaries. Yeah. I'll, I'll say. I can read about her life. I don't, yeah. I, I don't want this weird dramatized version. No. Have you it seen, weird. have you seen the documentary, Amy? Yeah. Oh my God. It's, I, like I loved it. Me too. I thought it was a real, I don't think that every documentary is like this, but I did really feel like a bit of a, like a love letter to her, like to her legacy and to not just, oh my gosh, what a talent. And then she died. It was like, no, no, no. What a talent. She never thought she'd win anything. She won like the Grammy and it was so exciting. And she collaborated with people like, you know, Mark Ronson before he was the Mark Ronson. He was Mark Ronson to people in North London but he was not Mark Ronson on the global stage marrying Meryl Streep's daughter and energy. I knew him as Samantha Ronson's brother, which is like such a time. Um, Samantha Ronson used to go out with Lindsay Lohan in like 2008. But um, I thought that film was beautiful. I remember seeing it when I lived in London in 2015 when I was a child. And I remember going to see it and I, I cried. It was so sad, but lovely. And then it's like, and what they're going to, I bet they're going to try and romanticize that fucking marriage that she had with bloody Blake Fielder Civil, who was the worst. Um, and I just think it's like when you have the involvement of a parent who is historically 
been out to get something financially from their children. I just don't think there's any way, like, I, I couldn't support that. No. I don't know. And I, and I also just don't like Sam Taylor Johnson. Generally, I think the only good film she did was Nowhere Boy. And, and even that leaves a bad taste in my mouth because of, like, what happened on that set. Yeah, the um, whole grooming thing doesn't sit right with me. No. And I, like, I love that movie. Like, I... If you haven't watched it, just it's on Stan, I think. It's, yeah, young John Lennon. It's got Kristen Scott Thomas in it. It's got um, Thomas Brody Sangster as um, young Paul McCartney. Mm. And it's a really good movie, but it's just, yeah, very rogue to think about that. Going back to Amy for a second. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking now mm. about like the whole idea of like um, supply and demand. Would we want this kind of movie if no one was pushing it on us? No, I don't think so. Like I've never, I have not had an urge to watch like the, you know, the 27 Death Club or whatever. Oh yeah, the 27 Club. I think about it kind of a lot now that I'm 27. Oh yeah. Don't don't die on us. No, I'm not, I'm not going to (laughs) die. No, but I think about like a lot of people who I didn't, like 27 seems like such an arbitrary number, but now I am it. It's so weird to me. I'm like, that's so old. And then I'm like, well, I'm the same age as bloody, um, I'm pretty sure Mama Cass was 27, like Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain. And that's what I think. I've never wanted like a Kurt Cobain biopic. And I mean, they did make, Jim Morrison was another one and they did make a Jim Morrison movie 20 years after his death. My correction, Mama Cass was 32 when she died, but same thing. Yeah. I didn't realize that Jim Morrison was 27 as well. I've never had an urge to watch that movie. Loved Val Kilmer, whatever. I don't want to watch it and I no, I just neither. don't have an urge to watch this kind of thing and I, I think if we didn't have people saying we're making this, we're doing this, we're pushing this, I, I don't think there's a hole in entertainment. No, but I think that with a lot of films though, like I feel like so many of the yeah. films that are out now, I'm like, <laughs> would I want to watch this if it wasn't being pushed on me? Like, did anyone want a Cruella prequel? No, no but, but it. <laughs> that, that is different because that was a fucking great movie. But at the time I was like, who wants this? Why would I even go see like, why, where is the demand for this? And now I'm like, that was a great movie. That's a bad example, but it's the thinking is there. It's like, I wouldn't want half the shit that is out there at the moment because no one's asking for it. Did I want a live action remake of every single fucking Disney movie? No, No, and I still don't. No, The only one I want is Tangled, but even then I can make do because there's an animated one. Use your imagination. Just picture exactly. it. Exactly. what it's like. Exactly. Yeah, Use I don't that. want a 27 Club. Although if I did, I would want a Brian Jones one. That would be fascinating. But that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> because, it, yeah, it's just... And it's, again, it's um, it's monetizing tragedy. And we see it with true crime. And we see it, you know... I'm guilty of it. I like true crime. But it's also... There's a way to explore things sensitively and retrospectively and actually with a little bit of like thought rather than just taking advantage of a story. And I think when you have a doc, when you have documentaries, you don't that do it really well. Sometimes there are really shit documentaries and that needs to be remedied <laughs> in the case of Amy. I think that is not correct. And I think the Amy documentary should be the definitive yeah. thing on her. And maybe in 30 years there should be a film, but I do not think that Sam Taylor Johnson and her father other people mm. to bring it to our screens yeah it just I've got feels a bit icky even though i would really like marissa abella i really love jack o'connell i actually like most of the actors and actresses who were involved in this but i will not 
I won't do it. I won't go see it. I won't be involved with it. But watch Amy. But watch Amy. <laughs> but watch Amy the documentary. It is. Yeah, it just gave me chills. It's. I remember seeing it like it was yesterday. It was really, really, really good. But I just think this is this is. What is there a special? There's a special phrase. It's like um. When you're like taking advantage of, it's like something. It's like tragedy porn or something. It's there's like yeah. a phrase or something it's just it's I just feel like it's like that like it's like that where the intention isn't to make people fall in love with her or like put her name out there it's the intention is to put her name out there to capitalize on it yeah to make money it's just awful just it just feels like it's too fresh it just it happened not too long ago and I don't think anyone's learned their lesson from it yet and I just think that the fact that her dad is involved in it at all is just gross to me we need to switch this up because we're women, famous women, are consistently victims to their own fame. Yeah, I literally feel like... And the, I hate it. Our, literally, our whole episode today has just been like, woman yeah. getting like shit, woman getting shit, woman getting shit. And then I think in my head, I'm thinking about people like Johnny Depp and like Jared Leto. Oh, God, yeah. They're oh, like untouchables who can do anything and be anything and nah. pop back up and get away nah. and pop back up. and. Nah. The fact that Jared Leto was even still a thing is so upsetting to me. And I hate Johnny Depp, obviously, but... They are both gross, but I oh. do like 30 Seconds to Mars. <laughs> well, I, I like Pirates of the Caribbean, so it's so... You know what? We're okay. It's like, oh. I like the first three, and I don't actually watch them. Like, people are looking at me like, it's like, I don't fucking watch them for Johnny Depp. You know who I watch no. them for? Kieran Eiley and Orlando Bloom. And you're not listening to 30 Seconds to Mars because of Jared Leto. No. You're listening I'm- to them because it's good music. I've never actually listened to them, but... I'm, I'm sure it's good music. I'm listening to it because it's nostalgia. Well, and that's the thing. That's and it's it. like, I like parts of the Caribbean. Again, it's another boys doing things maybe, but with Kira Knightley. But anyway, let's go on to something a bit more fun. <laughs> something <laughs> like light. We just, we've had like many minutes of just ranting about womanhood, which is so fine. But, um, but we're going to move on to something a bit nicer and something that we're both incredibly passionate about. And that is romantic comedies. And that is particularly Yay. one romantic comedy that we both saw, what, you last week? Yeah. Whatever. At like some point in the last two weeks, we both saw Anyone But You, the rom-com with Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell, directed by Will Gluck of Easy A fame, filmed in Sydney, Australia. I loved it. Uh, so basically, before we get into like our thoughts more, uh, the film is a modern interpretation, adaptation, vibe of personally one of my favourite Shakespeare plays, uh, Much Ado About Nothing, which is basically about two people called Benedict and Beatrice and they hate each other, or do they? But they really grow to love each other and through some very serious meddling by other people in the play. And the film is kind of updating it for the modern audience. Glenn Powell is Ben. And Sydney Sweeney is B, and they're kind of thrown together through um, a marriage of B's sister and Ben's like friends, sister or whatever it is. Mm. I can't. It's get, it gets a bit kind of complicated as Shakespeare tends to. Um, <laughs> and they, for some stupid reason involving plot, they go to Australia because it's a destination wedding. Yay! Yay! Tourism New South Wales. And they they're from Boston, but <laughs> the first scene in the film that's set in Boston is actually filmed in Barangaroo. Yeah. Uh, right near my work so it was incredibly confusing and also incredibly exciting was that the escalator we went down the other day yeah that was and that walk, that was the we, actual yeah one. yeah yeah and we walked we walked past Fun. the coffee shop yeah emily and i went to the city the other day and i was like we have to go 
to get gelato, but also we need to, I need to show you where they filmed um, anyone, but you also, there's my work. So <laughs> it was a big tour, but they, yeah, they go to Australia and then they have to convince everyone through other kind of contrived plot reasons that they're in love, they're together. Cause they, one of them wants to make someone else jealous and the other one wants to get their ex off their back. So it's sort of for reasons they have to pretend to be in love and it goes from there. I love that trope. Me too. I love a kind of enemies to lovers, but like animosity. Yeah. Animosity, but have to pretend. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of in the first season of Bridgerton when they're like allies pretending to, you know what I mean? Yeah. They each have their own motivations, but they need each other to prove their point. It's like enemies to allies to lovers. Yeah. Actually, that's elite. I think that's the best trope. It is. It so is. And yeah, this movie, it received so much praise. Before I saw it, I'd seen people comparing it to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I don't agree with that. The best movie since then. I don't agree. I don't think it was God-tier rom-com. No. It wasn't groundbreaking by any means, but I thought it was really fun. Yeah. I think I laughed. I thought it was cute. I laughed mostly over the geography of it, just because I never see films set in Sydney. And so to see them like film what they think Sydney is like and like where they were I felt like that annoying Sydney person being like good how oh my did God, you good. get okay. from Palm Beach to the city good. okay I was like <laughs> am I about to go on a big geography rant and you're like I'm from Brisbane who the fuck are you talking what are you what are you talking about but basically they li- they're staying in a house in Palm Beach but they drive back to the harbor for the rehearsal like dinner drinks thing then they go to the most ridiculous thing was that they go to get flowers from George Street, then drive back to Palm Beach. Then the wedding ceremony is at Bondi in like some park that I'm pretty sure I've been to. And then <laughs> Sydney Sweeney like leaves the wedding at one point and gets down to Campbell Parade in like a minute. Yeah. And then from Campbell Parade, she gets a cab into the city. Uh, it's just, it's all over the shop when it comes to geography. It's really, really weird. I also did the really annoying Sydney thing of like, why would you swim in that spot of the harbour? That's disgusting. Yeah, you wouldn't swim. No, you wouldn't swim where they, I mean, that you wouldn't swim where they swam. No. I li- yeah, I was like, God, is this what people in America feel like all the time? If I lived in New York, I would never shut up about that shit. If I like, yeah. saw it on screen, I'd be like, how do they get from Midtown to there? Da, 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 da. <laughs> like that was how I felt. My favourite was when she was like, the opera house is amazing for sightseeing. And I'm like, and they make the opera house look really romantic and it's like people yeah. getting proposed to every five seconds. And I'm like, no, the only thing that's there are fucking annoying tourists yeah. and pigeons. So many selfie sticks. People so many doing tripods. like run clubs. Yes. And I like walking around it, but there's no way on God's green earth that I would go up those stairs or take any kind of photo or go anywhere near Circular Quay. No. I've done it, babe. I still think it's fun when you have to go to the City Opera House to see something like a oh, performance or different, whatever. different, different. Totally different vibe. I actually went to go see... Another Shakespeare recently. Um, fun. Yeah, Twelfth Night. It was fun. Fun. But um. But we're not going there to people watch the tourists. Oh my god, no! I'm not where. I don't even know where I go. With people watching, not there. But that said, somewhere it, in a suburb. It was a good tourism ad. I agree. <laughs> it it felt like what every American thinks Sydney is like. Like yeah. there were koalas, and they pretty sure they and they did like the walk to the lighthouse in Palm Beach and whatever whatever else and. There are spiders and lots of jokes about things and the coffee and stuff. But uh, I felt overall it was a fun movie. I felt the cast was very good. Some of them wasted in their roles, I felt. Yeah, it could have could extracted have, more from yeah. a lot of them. I, I thought so. So um, Rachel Griffiths and um, Dermot Mulroney play Sydney Sweeney's parents and so reunited 
from their days in um, my best friend's wedding and they were cute. They were silly. I, thought it was I loved criminal it. Criminal that uh, they made Rachel Griffiths have an American accent in yeah. an Australian film. Yeah. We I was were like, robbed. let her be from Australia. <laughs> Brian Brown was really good though. Yes. I s- there was a lot of commentary about how we made a caricature of Australians. Oh, yeah. There's one character who's like a surfer guy who was the, like supposedly the dimmest person ever. And he does say some, like, he did say some slang things that, like, my mother would say. Yeah. And stuff like, like, there was some things where I was like, oh, yeah, that that checks out. But, yeah, yeah they made us be a bit dumb dumb. I honestly didn't care because he was a larrikin. Like, I didn't he see him larrikin. as portraying the whole of Australia. He was portraying the no. larrikins. And if you've yeah. ever spoken to just, like, a charismatic shithead of a bloke. Yeah, who loves to surf. That's what they sound like. Yeah. And I think our, like, our vernacular has changed so much over the past few years because it's more global and we speak more yeah. American. And, and it depends on where you're from because I think people in Melbourne have a slightly different accent to people who are from like Queensland, who are from Adelaide, who are from Perth. like Who are from Sydney. You guys sound different. Do, do you think I sound yeah, different? definitely. Really? Yes. I don't, think, I don't think you sound that different. How do I sound different? I feel like I drawl a lot. Um, play school accents, Sydney. Interesting. It's you, Sydney people, especially like, wealthier sydney siders they enunciate things better okay i just said better whereas if i was in brisbane i would have said better <laughs> right okay do you think i enunciate better yes oh my god slay. i think i think you speak really well that's so nice i think i <laughs> mumble so much okay that's so interesting but yeah but you do notice like when you go like elsewhere to the outback or whatever you or country whatever oh. you notice that there's a massive difference in oh, how people speak totally. and like this guy was just it wasn't a bad portrayal I don't no. think we are more lax it was just like, we are sillier it was just I felt like it was a bit lowest common denominator but it was funny like I was laughing everyone in my cinema was laughing yeah he um, was funny but we have to talk about the main event which was Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on them I like together separate as their characters whatever like what were your vibes Glenn Powell will never be set it up Glenn Powell for me again yeah so glenn, i loved that so glenn powell was in this like i think it's one of the best i think it's the best rom-com of the what the 2010s i think that's like the second or third time you said that on this pod yeah because because it's, it's so correct it's, yeah it's right it's just what I, it was 2017 i remember where i was when i watched it i was house sitting my aunt my great aunt diana's house and i watched a really fucked up crime drama that day and i ended the day with watching set it up which has got glenn powell and zoe deutsch and it's about two assistants who connive to set up their bosses because they're super overworked as assistants and it's very like old-fashioned fun screwball comedy and it's so good man like it's just so good but this is like Glenn Powell is a rom-com man I've also seen a lot of commentary about how he and Sydney Sweeney separate and together are just too hot they didn't sell I did find it incredibly distracting yeah they didn't sell the kind of realism of this like flurry of a story no and I I kind of I guess I did think that when I was sitting there I was like I can't even imagine myself like in either of their shoes because my abs don't look like that but also writer Benjamin Lee reviewed it for The Guardian and he said genre stalwarts like Meg Ryan, Billy Crystal, Mm. Hugh Grant, Tom Hanks and Sandra Bullock were attractive but they were rarely in your face sexy and never as non-stop naked as these two appeal rooted in likability over fuckability. I think Sandra Bullock's sexy but I wouldn't think it in like while you were sleeping. 
No. I think it, I think it in like the second half of Miss Congeniality, but it doesn't take <laughs> away from the story. It felt like they were concentrating a lot on like the physical rather than the chemistry sometimes. Yeah. And like just because they're both hot doesn't mean they have chemistry. But at the same time, I and I, I do love a rom-com where it does have that side of, oh, hey, I actually know people who look like that. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I could diminish the movie to just how they looked. I think mm. there were other aspects of the movie that I just loved. The, the whole movie didn't ride on that for me. No, I think I think it was a good movie. I think I found her to be quite wooden. She has a look. I think it's she was wooden because he's so charismatic. Yeah. And I think – and my main thought was after leaving the film – this is not my main thought, but one of my thoughts was um, – and I think, it, but I also think this is just a personal thing because I hold set it up to such a high standard that I was like, fuck, like if this movie had been with Zoe Deutsch, it would have been, Sorry. it would have been my movie of the year. Yeah. It would have been my movie of the year. And I think because they played off each other really well and they mm. had like the charisma and the chemistry and I think, and Glenn and, um, Glenn and Sydney had chemistry, but I think a lot of it was like physical chemistry rather than like. You know, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it didn't, I didn't. It's that whole talk about like the know. spark. Yeah. I didn't feel the spark. I felt the spark physically between them because they're like such specimens. I was like, just make out. But I didn't <laughs> like literally. The whole time now I kiss. Like, kiss. <laughs> kiss. But I didn't feel like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel the build. I didn't feel the, I didn't feel the spark. I didn't feel the magic yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, and I think that was because I felt like he was really charismatic and she was wooden and it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was an equal partnership. No. In that sense, because I feel like he is built to be a rom-com leading man. Yes. And I think she's built to be a leading lady, but not of a rom-com. Not She's a drama a girl. Yeah. She is a drama girl. And I do not think that she has the charisma and the lightheartedness to carry off that role. Having said that, there were some great moments of physical comedy that I thought she really was good at. Like with the, there's like a bit where she accidentally wets her pants but she accidentally like spills water on her pants and it looks like she's peed and that whole bit was really funny and she sold that for me and that's why I like this movie because they weren't trying to be pretentious they were saying here's something that's a seven-year-old's gonna laugh at it is objectively humorous enjoy and I thought there was some funny bits like when he had they always they kept making jokes about how good the Australian coffee is and Mm. it's like he has one like thing of coffee and then she's like are you on cocaine (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, no, the coffee's just really good here. And it's just like little funny moments like that that yeah. got me. Bonus question. Was it worth all the rumors? I've got to be honest. The bit when they're on the boat and she's like, t- there's a bit when they're on the boat and it's where a lot of these paparazzi photos were. And it's like, she's floating the idea that they should pretend to be together. And he's like, you can't fake it. Like you can't wait. We can't sell it. And then she pretends, you know, yeah. and she's like, I think we could do it. And she's like touching his chest like this. And I remember seeing those paparazzi photos being like, they are having sex. <laughs> and then I saw, like, watching that scene, I was like, yes. Yeah. I did think it was worth the rumors. Okay. What did you, I, did you think it was? I think the rumors were fun. I think they definitely made me want to see it way more than I would have originally if I hadn't. Right. I didn't love Glenn Powell so much. I feel like this movie for me was like, I'm going to see my boy Glenn Powell. Yeah. And Sydney Sweeney just being like the hottest person in the world was like, great. I'm excited to see that too. A but, fun bonus. Yeah. But. I think the rumors did a lot for me. Okay, fun. 
You have five minutes to talk about Dua Lipa and tell him to go. So hottest girl in the world, also one of the hottest girls out there at the moment, Dua Lipa, the um, singer-songwriter for people who don't know her, which we should, you you all should. I feel like my mum might not know, but mum, it's Dua Lipa. And she is great. She is now apparently dating Callum Turner, who I found out not everyone knows him. Not everyone knows about Callum Turner. They should. I've spent about half an hour showing Emily TikTok edits of him. I'm a fan now. But basically, he's a British actor who was in films like... uh, He was in the TV show War and Peace. He was in um, Emma, the 2020 version. He was in... um, Didn't you say Harry Potter? Yes, he was in Harry Potter. Thank you so much. He was in um, terrible movies, but he's hot in them. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Specifically in the second one, he has more scenes if people are keen on finding that out. He was also in a movie called The Last Letter from Your Lover with Joe Alwyn and Shailene Woodley. And he's just like ridiculously good looking. And he's also going to be in the upcoming film, The Boys in the Boat, directed by George Clooney. Anyway, he's just like... I make it my business to know about every actor, British actor between the ages of 25 and 40. And he's one of them and huge fan. Anyway, at the LA premiere of Masters of the Air, which is this new show that he's going to be in with Austin Butler and Barry Keoghan. It's all about World War II fighter pilots. Um, Another example of boys doing things. Uh, At that premiere, Dua Lipa and Callum were spotted slow dancing and seemingly sharing a kiss in video footage published by TMZ. Huge. This is my like Kate and Wills. This is I my loved it. Royals. I was so excited because I think he is one of the most attractive men like out there. He used to go out with Vanessa Kirby from The Crown, um, and so all of and he's huge on TikTok. Many many TikTok edits, but all of the girls on TikTok were like, I can't even be mad about it. Like this is no. this is insane. This is gonna be so good. Like because so he is so hot and she's so hot. She literally has my dream life. Like she goes on holiday. I know. She comes home. She dates gorgy boys and then like hot French film directors. Yeah. And and she was really bad at dancing, but then she got way better at it. Yeah. And she used to go out with that fucking dirtbag Anwar Hadid. But like kicked him to the curb. Now she's doesn't matter. Callum Turner. And so yeah, people just don't know who Callum Turner is. But like, get on the internet. Just get on the internet. Look him up. He's just got fantastic cheekbones. Fantastic bone structure. <laughs> I've got to be honest, he's really ideal. Uh, it's all very exciting. Very excited to watch Masters of the Air. But that's it for this week. That was a jam-packed episode. Swear we're not, I'm not this angry normally. No, I think we just had a couple of heavy topics. But I like that we ended with like rom-coms and hotties. And silly things. And silly things. But yeah, everyone go look up Callum Turner. Go watch and listen and read to everything we talk about. Because we're only ever correct. <laughs> that's it. For this week, um, Ray, remember to rate, review, subscribe, send to your friends, send to your family. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And we do videos now, which is fun. Fun. Um, So, yeah, we put makeup on for all of these things now. So you're welcome. You didn't do that before. But that's all. And go watch something with Callum Turner in it now. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. (laughs)